Welcome once again to Maple Grove Covenant Church. So glad you're with us this morning as we continue our series entitled Uprising, the Origins of the Early Church. And one of the things that I enjoy doing is studying the origins, the beginnings of different movements or companies or organizations. And one of the things that I've found and that others have documented is that sometimes the traits of the leader are found in the organization or movement. Think about Martin Luther King Jr. and his commitment to a nonviolent approach to social change. I mean, he studied it, he taught it, he embodied this nonviolent approach to social change, and people marched, and people sat in, and people went to jail with this approach to nonviolence in order to change the way America lives. Because sometimes, usually, the traits of the leader are found in the organization or movement. Think about Steve Jobs. And, and his commitment, his passion to take beauty and simplicity and add it to technology. He started off with Apple computers, you know, and then he brought the fonts, these beautiful fonts into Apple and the, and the Macs. And then, you know, he left Apple, came back and created the iPhone and the iPad. And, you know, it's got those rounded edges, that simple button, that slide technology. He brought this beauty and, and, and elegance to technology. That's his passion. That's what... The Apple is known for it's because of Steve Jobs. Because sometimes, usually, the traits of the leader are found in the organization. And sometimes organizations drift away from the original vision and values and products, and then they get into trouble. When I mean, you think about Coke, you know, in about 1985, they came up with this product called New Coke. That was, it was vanilla Coke, and it was cherry Coke, and, and, and it bombed big time, this, this new approach to Coke, and, and then they came back and sold millions more doing the, the classic Coke because they went back to their original product. Or you think about Krispy Kreme. Anybody remember going down to Krispy Kreme on Elm Creek Boulevard, right? We stood in line for days if we needed to in order to get one of those fresh donuts right off the rack. But then what happened? They started selling their donuts in gas stations and in, in, in grocery stores, and they lost their original vision and product, and the results were devastating. Think about Yahoo. They're, they're experiencing corporate drift. This social engine, you know, this search engine that was once the largest is now losing its, its, its power, its presence, because they lost their leader, their original vision. See, sometimes organizations, movements can lose their original vision and values and prices. And sometimes we as the church can lose the vision of our original leader, Jesus. Sometimes we hear the words that Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell stand, can't stand against it. And we picture a worship service. We picture a building. We picture an institution or, or, or rules and rituals. And we hear the word church, ecclesia, this, this, this body, this assembly that's going to storm the gates of hell. And we picture, you know, a, a nice, calm worship service and we say words like hey are you going to church this morning or where do you worship and we and we and we think about church as this hour on sunday or this building or location but that's not the original vision that's not what jesus had in mind when he says i will build my church you see after jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave before he ascended into heaven he said these words to his disciples he says you will receive power 
when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, you will receive power. Not political power. This isn't some political uprising. Not not some economic power, but some internal power. There's this revolution in your soul that will transform you from the inside out and you will be my witnesses. You will go and bear witness that Jesus is alive that he forgives us of our sins, that he's building his church. And then you're going to go to Jerusalem and then to Judea and then to Samaria, that place you don't even like, and then to the ends of the earth. This was the original vision from our leader about what he had in mind when he said, I'm going to build my church. See, the church is not an institution. The church is not a building or a location or a list of rules and rounds or, or, or a worship service. The church is this movement. It's this revolution. It's this uprising of our souls. And that's why we're doing this study of the book of Acts. That's why we're doing this study on uprisings because we don't want to drift from the original vision of our leader. Jesus, we want the traits of our leader to be embodied in us, his disciples today. And over the last few weeks, we've been studying, the last just last week, we've been studying the book of Acts. And this has been our theme verse, Acts 1a. I hope you have a chance to read that, even memorize that. And we've been reading and studying the book of Acts 1 and 2 last week, 3 and 4 this week. But in Acts chapter 2, if you remember, the Holy Spirit descended upon the disciples. And and they, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they started speaking in other tongues. They already started going to different cultures and, lingu- and, and people speaking other languages. And then if you remember, Peter addressed the crowd. And he gave the first sermon. And, and he, told them, he told this crowd that Jesus is alive. He rose from the grave. And the, and the people believed. And he says, what should we do now? And, and Peter says, repent, be baptized, and bear witness. Receive the Holy Spirit and bear witness that Jesus is alive. And last week we looked at opening day, the start of the church, the beginning of the movement of this revolution of the soul. And in Acts 4, in Acts 2, 41, we read this. Those who accepted his message, that's Peter's message, were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. That was opening day of the church. It was a big day. It was a great day. It was the beginning of of the movement. And we're going to continue our study of the origins of the church by reading the first recorded prayer. This morning, we're going to study the first prayer of the first church because you can tell a lot about a church based on the prayers that they pray. And we can learn much about the early church and apply some of those truths to our lives by studying their first prayers. If you have your Bibles, Love for you to turn to Acts chapter 4, page 1079 in your pew Bibles. Acts chapter 4, we're going to be studying Acts 3 and 4 this week. And in Acts chapter 4, we read the first recorded prayer of the first church. And as you're turning there, I just want to remind you in Acts chapter 3 that Peter and John were on their way to the temple. And you may remember the story. They're on their way to the temple for prayer, and there was a man begging for silver or gold. And Peter and John address the man and says, silver and gold I do not have, but in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, walk. And this man that's been begging for 40 years, hasn't been able to walk for 40, he's been laying for that long, stood up and walked. 
And he walked in the temple and he was jumping around. He might have been moonwalking. I mean, he was excited to finally be walking. And a crowd gathered at the temple. And Peter saw another moment to bear witness that Jesus is alive. And he preached a message in that, in that temple courts. And then the leaders were upset. And in Acts chapter 4, verse 1, we read the following. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. After this man was, who was lame was started to walk and this crowd gathered and after a while he was preaching to the people. And the, and the leaders were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. And they seized Peter and John because it was evening and they put them in jail till the next day. But many who heard the message believed and the number of men grew to about 5,000 people. Many believed the message. The movement of the church was growing from 3,000 now to 5,000 men. God is doing a great work. But Peter and John, they're in jail. And they have to stand before the Sanhedrin. We're going to talk about what Peter said a little bit later on. But they they stand before the Sanhedrin. And they talk about uh, what Jesus is doing in the name of Jesus and how they healed this man that was lame. And the Sanhedrin basically say, hey, quit talking about Jesus. And, And maybe they threatened him. We're not exactly sure the details of this threat. But they said, stop talking about Jesus. And then they let Peter and John go. And then in verse 23, we read the first prayer of the first church because you can tell a lot about a church based on the prayers that they pray. And these are the original prayers of the original movement of the church. In verse 23, we read the following. On their release, on their release from jail... Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. Basically, said they said, stop talking about Jesus or we'll do the same thing that we did to your leader, we'll do to you. No, we'll kill you. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. They, they called a prayer meeting and they raised their voices together in prayer to God. And this is the first prayer. Sovereign Lord, they said, You made the heaven and the the earth and the sea and everything in them. You're the sovereign Lord. You're the creator of the sun and the moon and the sea and the stars and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. And then they quote Psalm 2. Because you fulfilled your promises. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? And the kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord, against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. And they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. See, they began the first prayer saying, God, you're the sovereign Lord. There's nothing that happens outside of your control. You're in control of governors, of kings, of nations. Your will is being done. Even though sometimes it's hard for us to understand your will, we believe you're the sovereign Lord. 
That your will is being accomplished, your word is being fulfilled, your will is being done. You're the sovereign one. And then they continued, verse 29. Now, Lord, sovereign Lord, consider their threats. Consider their threats to kill us. Consider their threats to jail us. Consider their threats against us and protect us. And sovereign Lord, strike those evil leaders down. And sovereign Lord, get us out of here because we don't want to die. We don't want to go to jail. That's not what they prayed. What did the first followers of Jesus pray in their first prayer? They said, consider their threats and enable your servant to speak your word with great boldness. Give us boldness. In the midst of our persecution, in the midst of these threats, in the midst of this life-threatening situation, give your servants great boldness. And then stretch out your hand and heal and perform miracle, miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. This was the first prayer the first church. These are the origins of our prayers. So you can tell much about a church based on the prayers that they pray. And if we were honest, we don't necessarily pray these same types of prayers, do we? I mean, if we were honest, maybe we as a 21st century church have drifted away from these original prayers. I mean, we don't pray for boldness in the midst of our persecution. I mean, maybe we pray for protection. I mean, we, we pray for provision. We pray for God to, to, to protect our children or, or to heal our kids. And those are good prayers. I've been praying those prayers. Uh, we pray for traveling mercies. Uh, we pray for help on an exam. Uh, we pray for all sorts of things. But when was the last time that you prayed for boldness? When was the last time you said, oh, sovereign Lord, in the midst of my challenges, in the midst of something difficult going on in my life, enable me to speak your word with great boldness. This past week, I spent a lot of time at Children's Hospital. My daughter, Zoe, was in the hospital, and, and she'll be out today. Thank you for your prayers. She, she moved in. She, she moved in. She basically, yeah, moved into the hospital for last week because she had some internal bleeding. And as a parent, it's always difficult to see your child suffer. As a grandparent, as a sibling, it's always difficult to see a family member suffer. And this was a challenging week because they didn't know where the bleeding was coming from. So they did a lot of tests, and she was in a lot of pain. And, and even the other day, I was tucking her into bed and, and just last, two nights ago, and she says, Dad, I just want to go home. You know, I, I, I want to I sleep in my bed. I want to pet my dog, Buddy. I want to eat Mom's food. She said, I just want to go home, Dad. I'll even do my homework if I'm home. It is hard. You know, it's hard to see your child suffer. And so I was in the hospital. I was praying prayers. And thank you for those of you that were praying prayers with me. I was praying prayers much like these original disciples. I says, God, you're the sovereign Lord. You see the beginning from the end. You have a will for my daughter. You know, the hair's on her head. Would you do something, God? You're the sovereign Lord. And when I prayed to the sovereign God, and when I, when, I, when I got in touch that God's in control of our life, I experienced his peace. 
and his presence, even in that hospital. You see, it's good to pray to the sovereign Lord. In your prayers on a daily basis, it's good to say, God, you're in control of my life. You see the beginning from the end. I can't really tell what's going on right now, but I put my trust, my faith in you because you're in control. It's good to pray to the sovereign Lord. It's good to start your prayers and say, oh, sovereign God. And as I was in the hospital, I was praying, God, stretch out your hand and heal my daughter Zoe. We can't figure out where the source of bleeding is happening. Would you come and heal my daughter? And you know that healing comes in all sorts of different shapes and sizes, doesn't it? I mean, sometimes it's an immediate healing. Sometimes it's a supernatural healing. Sometimes healing takes a long time. Sometimes there's a future healing. Sometimes there's an emotional or spiritual healing that comes alongside the physical healing. Healing prayers, are uh, we, we don't always understand how God is healing us. All we know is that we've got a sick kid. All we know is that the world is broken. And so we pray to the sovereign Lord, stretch out your hand and heal that which is broken, that person who is sick. So when I was in the hospital this past week, I prayed these original prayers. I said, God, you're the sovereign one. I said, God, stretch out your hand. But you know the middle part of that prayer? God, enable me to speak your word with great boldness. I had a hard time praying that prayer. I don't know about you. I don't know about what what comes to your mind when you pray. I had a hard time articulating that part of the prayer. God, Give me great boldness. Enable me to speak. You know, I, I, I tried to articulate that. When I wrote a prayer in the prayer chain, I wrote something like this. I said, God, I said, I said, please pray that God would heal Zoe. Pray for strength for our family and pray that God would use this for good. And that was my attempt to, to pray for boldness. I, I, I couldn't quite articulate how to pray. And it's good to pray, God, heal. It's good to pray, give us strength and use us for good. But I couldn't quite articulate how to pray for, I mean, who prays for boldness? I mean, what kind of Christian prays for boldness in the midst of this life-threatening situation, in the midst of this challenging situation? Who prays for boldness? But the first church did. The original prayer was for boldness. In the midst of their persecution, in the midst of their possible execution, they prayed for boldness. We pray for protection. We pray for traveling mercies. We pray for help on an exam. But they prayed for boldness. And all those prayers are good. All those prayers are necessary. But maybe we've drifted a bit from these original prayers. Boldness. The Greek word is parisia. Let me hear you say parisia. Parisia. It means courage. It means confidence. It means the ability to speak out about what's going on. And, and Acts, it particularly means speaking courageously, effectively, declaring God's word. It's the same word that's used in Acts chapter 4, verse 13. That's when Peter had to stand before the Sanhedrin and they were asked, He was asked the question, on what name or what power did you do this healing? And Peter had courage and he he spoke and he said that it's in the, he said, uh, salvation is found in no one else except for Jesus. There's no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. And it was offensive then, it's offensive now that there's no other name 
except for Jesus, where you can find salvation. And then it says this in verse 13. And when they, the Sanhedrin, the leaders, saw the courage, the parousia, the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled and ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. See, Peter and John were bold. They were courageous. They openly declared what they saw and heard. And what made these men so bold? They've been with Jesus. The traits of the leader, the traits of the leader of the movement were passed on to the disciples. The traits of the leader of the movement were passed on to the disciples. They hung out with Jesus for three years. They understood what made him tick. They understood his passion and his courage. His spirit was inside of these disciples, and they were bold. They were courageous. They were parousia. This is parousia. This is this courage and boldness of these early disciples openly declaring their faith, their trust, the truth that Jesus is alive and actively in the world today. And it wasn't just Peter and John. All the disciples had parousia. All these first followers, all these original church was characterized by boldness. Verse 31, it says this, After they prayed, after the first church prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God boldly. The Holy Spirit empowered them to stand up and courageously, effectively, openly share God's work in the world. These are the origins of the church. These are the original prayers of the first church. And sometimes we drift away from our origins. And we can lose our effectiveness in the world today. We can pray, Sovereign Lord, and we can pray, stretch out your hands in healing. But sometimes, don't we miss this movement? Pray for boldness. When was the last time you asked God to give you boldness to share His Word in your school, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your home? Now, granted... None of us are being persecuted for our faith. None of us are going to stand trial or go to jail because we're openly declaring that Jesus is alive and actively at work in the world today. None of us us even need to say, God, give me boldness because we're not on trial. We're not going to go to jail. But what if we did? Regardless of our circumstances, we were going to go to jail or some terrible things. What if we did pray, God, Would you make me bold? Would you give me boldness in my school, in my workplace, in my neighborhood? What would happen to our church if we all prayed this prayer? God, give me courage to speak your word with great boldness. What would happen to the world if we, as the church, spoke that Jesus is alive and active in the world today? What if we prayed, God, give us boldness? I don't know. I don't know what would happen to you. I don't know what happened to our church. I don't know what happened to this world. But I do know that God created us in such a way to notice the things that we're looking for. You ever notice that? 
that God created us to notice the things that we're looking for. I don't know if this ever happened to you, but we were in the market for a minivan. And a while back, I was looking for minivans. So when I'm driving my car, all I do is see minivans. Oh, there's an Odyssey. There's a Sienna. It just happens. As you're, as you're looking for things, you start to notice them. If you're looking for buying a house, you notice houses for sale. You're, you're looking for a spouse. You notice single people. I mean, that's just what happens. It's just what happens, right? You notice the things that you're looking for. And once you start to pray, God, make me bold, you'll start to notice opportunities to share your faith. You start to notice opportunities to declare that Jesus is alive and active in my world today. I mentioned that we were, we were in the hospital this week, and it wasn't our first time in the hospital. Six years ago this month, uh, we were in the hospital for my eldest daughter, Michaela. She had leukemia, and she's healthy now. But when we were there six years ago, it was a real, obviously a real difficult and challenging time. And when we were coming out of the uh, recovery room, one of the nurses, uh, we were coming out of the recovery room with Zoe this past week. One of the nurses looked at us and she says, you know what, I know you. I couldn't rem- remember her from anybody. And she says, you, uh, you, you work as a pastor of a church and you're, my wife is your, you're a nurse and, and your daughter uh, was, had leukemia and they were down and you were in California and then you were down to Rochester. And then, and she told me all the details of my life, you know. I was waiting for her to pull out some pictures. And, 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 and I noticed that she knew much about my story. She knew about Caleb. She said his name, you know. And she knew all these details about my life. And because I was reading Acts 3 and 4, and because I was praying this little weak prayer, God, help me to be bold, I started to notice an opportunity to share my faith. So I simply says, you know, God is good. God answers our prayers. And he's active in my life today. Now, I don't know if Peter and John would say, hey, Chad, you were bold. You know, I, I, I don't know if that's parousia. All I know is that because I was reading his word, because I was praying for some boldness, that, that I noticed an opportunity to declare that God answers prayers, that God's active and alive in my life today, that my daughter is strength and is strong and healthy today. And I thank God for God's work in my life. I don't know the contents of your prayer. I don't know what you pray about. All I know is you can tell a lot about a person based on the prayers that they pray. You can tell a lot about a church based on the prayers that they pray. And most of our prayers are about me. My school, my job, my stuff, my stuff, my kids, my life, my house. But the early church prayed. In addition for my stuff, my home, my family, they prayed for boldness. They asked God to give them courage and confidence to go beyond Jerusalem to Judea. And then to Samaria, that place they don't even like very much. And then to the ends of the earth, to the people that are far off. And because they prayed for boldness, because they stepped out with courage and confidence, we are here today. Those are the prayers of the early church. And my question for you this morning would be simply this. Would you be willing to pray for boldness this week? Just this week, 
Would you be willing to ask God, in addition to saying, Oh God, sovereign Lord, you are in control. Oh God, stretch out your hand to heal, provide for the needs of my family. Would you be willing to say, God, give me boldness. Give me courage. Give me confidence to declare that you are active and alive in the world today. And maybe you're here today you say, Chad, I haven't prayed a prayer in years. This is like my first time in church in years. And maybe God's word to you this morning is just to hang out with Jesus. You know, the disciples, the description of the disciples was this. It said, they were unschooled, ordinary men, and they had been with Jesus. And it was their time with Jesus that made them bold. So if you're here and you're new to church and you're new to prayer and you haven't prayed for prayers in a long time, maybe you just need to spend some time with Jesus. And maybe it's a number of years and for him to instill his life or his traits to be found inside of you. And then he'll make you bold. Or, or, or maybe if you've been a follower of Christ for a long time and you have yet to share your faith, with a friend, a co-worker, a family member, maybe your prayer this week could be simply this. God, make me bold. In addition to you're the sovereign Lord, in addition to God heal and provide for my family, God, make me bold. And then when you start to notice opportunities to share your faith, talk about how God is alive and active in your life today. These are the origins of the early church. May we never drift from our origins, from the vision that Jesus had in mind when he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell cannot stand against us. This is the church that Jesus had in mind. In the end of Acts chapter 4 verses 32 through 35, we read the following. And all the believers were one in heart and mind. They were unified. And no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything that they had. They were generous and loving to one another. And with great power, the apostles continued to testify, to bear witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And much grace was upon them all. And there were no needy persons among them. For from, the, from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, and they brought the money from the sales, and they put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had needed. This is the church. This is the vision, the original vision that Jesus had in mind. The church is not a building. It's not an institution. It's not a list of rules and rituals. It's not even a worship service church is this movement. It's this revolution. It's this uprising of our souls where God makes ordinary, unschooled, average men and women into people with parousia, with boldness. May we never drift in Christ's vision for His church. Heavenly Father, we give You thanks for Your Word. We give you thanks for your presence in our lives. We thank you that you are the sovereign Lord. You created the sea and the land and the sky and everything in them. You're in control of this world and in control of our lives. 
And we do pray that you would stretch out your hand and heal us and make us whole physically, emotionally, relationally, spiritually, that you would do that work of healing in each one of our lives and that you would make us bold, that you would enable us to declare that Jesus is alive and active in our lives today. Do a work among us this day, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.